tonight. Thank you, Brother Munoz. Uh, Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter number one. And uh, I can honestly say that I love church, and I love our church. And uh, I, I just, I get so excited when people come and they get to see what we get to see on a weekly basis. And if you're not careful, uh, oftentimes because you're around it, it loses, uh, it, it kind of loses the specialness about what it really is. And don't ever let that happen. Uh, don't take for granted what God is doing here. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I just, uh, this morning was such a wonderful, wonderful service. And, uh, and then Brother Chris, when he told me that afterwards, I, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of like those reporters. You know, I'm not, I'm not all the way there yet with social media. Uh, you know, some people are definitely a lot more. I know the younger generation seems to be a little bit more when it comes to social media. Uh, you know, I, Paul that we're going to study tonight, you know, if you just said to the Apostle Paul, uh, Facebook, he'd been like, what? The, the Apostle Paul would have said, yeah, Facebook, it's getting your face in that book. That's what he'd say. Uh, you know, you'd say Twitter, things like that to him. And, and you know, it's, it's hard to believe, but think about how much easier it is to get God's message around the world. Now, I don't think anything will ever replace the church. Uh, I don't think anything will ever replace the preaching of the Word of God because that's what God's ordained. But as we have those avenues that preaching can go out over the airwaves and over the internet, Wi-Fi, things like that, and I think it is wonderful. When he told me, we, we got out of the service, he said, he go, you know, and he told me right before the service he was going to try that Facebook Live. I don't even know what that is. And, uh, and after the service was over with, he said, we've already got 97 people that have watched it. And I was like, wow. You know, Brother Flynn, I don't know if you met those two. There was a pastor and his brother here today. They're from Massachusetts. And, his, and they're down here because the Patriots are playing in Miami. And they came for the game. And his brother's from Massachusetts and he's wearing a, he's wearing a Dolphins jacket. Can you believe that? <laughs> So anyway, but uh, we had a great crowd, a lot, of, a lot of good comments, folks, in the foyer afterwards. And uh, I'll tell you, the hot chocolate was a big hit, you know. And so we had uh, some more, there's some more on the table out there. So after the service is over, if you want to get, get some more hot chocolate, some cookies, help yourself out there until they're all gone. And uh, so we'll have a good time tonight. All right, here in Philippians chapter number one, beginning in verse number 12 tonight. And we're just going, if you're visiting with us tonight, we're just going verse by verse in this series that I entitled, Finding Joy in the Journey. Finding Joy in the Journey. And so, uh, you know, the one thing that God put on my heart is that it's a choice to rejoice. I mean, you can walk around being grumpy and uh, griping, complaining about life and woe is me and have the Eeyore syndrome. You guys know who Eeyore is, right? Yeah. Woe is me and... You know, or you can just choose to rejoice even during some very difficult times. And of course, you have to remember that the person that God used to pen the words to this church in Philippi, this letter that we're studying, a small book in our New Testament, was the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this from prison. And so many times in this small book, 
you see the word rejoice. And if Paul can rejoice in prison, uh, whatever you're going through, we can always find a way to rejoice in what God's doing in our lives. And so beginning in verse number 12, look what the Bible says, but I would not, uh, I, I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the what? Gospel. Now, now get a hold of this before we go on tonight. Paul says, look, yes, some things have happened to me. There's no doubt. I can't hide it. You all know what's happened to me. And by the way, remember, what has he been doing? Ever since God saved him on the road to Damascus, he's been preaching the gospel, sharing the good news everywhere he goes. Not everybody's going to want to hear the gospel. And so as Paul's been doing the work of God, there's always going to be resistance. There's always going to be people who do not want God. They don't want Christianity. They don't want anything to do with anything that resembles Christianity. And so Paul, in his ministry, there had been some resistance. And Paul says, look here in verse number 12, you need to understand, and notice the word brethren. These are saved people. He says, you need to get a hold of this and understand. He's, now watch this. He says, the things that have happened unto me, he says, they've happened to me so that the gospel can go further. Now, it's hard to think about it that way, but you're going to see tonight that sometimes when we see something that looks like a bad situation, God can take something bad and turn it into something good, right? Remember those Hebrew children who were thrown in the fiery furnace? And boy, I mean, everybody was like, yep, that's it for them. And then they looked in and said, hey, I think there's somebody in there walking around with them. <laughs> you know, it's, God can do that. And you have to understand that Paul says, look, he's writing to the Christians in Philippi. He says, look, I know it seems like a bad thing, but you have to understand that it has happened so that the gospel can go further. Now, what is the gospel? It's the good news. Remember, we talked this morning. There's a lot of bad news. Jesus came to this earth, came unto his own, and his own received him not, right? But to them that received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So there is some good news when you think about it. So look what it says as we read on tonight in verse 13. So that my bonds, now we all understand bonds being in prison, right? Okay. He says, my bonds, but notice his bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in other places. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Paul says, look, he says, a lot of things are going to happen. They have happened. They will happen, you know, and, and it just seems like the more we serve God. Now, a lot of times people say, well, if serving the Lord means I'm going to have all these things that are going to happen to me, I always tell people, listen, 
I'd rather serve God, have God there with me when I go through it, because you're going to go through it whether you're serving God or not. I'd rather have the Lord there with me when I go through those difficult times. Uh, sitting in the hospital with my wife uh, two, a couple weeks ago, just thinking about the goodness of God and the presence of God. And Listen, I mean, we could have sat there and just wrung our hands, but we understand that God knows all things, and He's working all things for our what? For our good. So look, I want you to see tonight, because when you think about this matter of joy and the gospel going forth, Paul is writing, and the reason he's writing this letter, and he gets to this place in chapter 1, is he's writing to the church, the, the saved, the brethren, and he's trying to comfort them about his being in jail. You know, yes, I'm in jail, but I want you to understand that, look, the Lord is with me. And, and, you know, I think a lot of times, like even in Paul's situation, and people ask this question many times, why do things, bad things, happen to good people? And you can sit around and you can think about this or that or whatever. But, you know, when I think about that, look what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 45. It says there in the end of that verse that God maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, folks, things are going to happen to us. You think only bad things happen to Christians? I've known a lot of unsaved people that have had some very bad things happen in their lives also, but I love the fact, again, that as I go through those, God goes through them with me. Sometimes we don't understand what we call the sovereignty of God. And as we think about His sovereignty, as I mentioned in my Sunday school class this morning, the one thing I do know is that he can be trusted. That's, that's what John the Revelator wrote about in Revelation 1.5 is he is the faithful witness. We can trust him even when we're going through some very difficult times. Romans 8.28, I mentioned a minute ago that we know that all things, not some things, Paul's in jail. Say, does that include? Yes, all means all. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. Now listen, Paul being in jail, that was God's purpose for his life at this particular time. You might be going through some trial. You might feel like you're in prison with what you're going through. Can I tell you that God knows where you're at? And as a matter of fact, God's allowed that to come into your life. And what you need to understand is, okay, Lord, you put me here. How can I take this opportunity so that the gospel can go further? You ever think about that? I know when we were in the hospital, we had a lot of people that came into our room that we would have never met. We would have never seen them. Nurses, doctors. We kept a pile of, of uh, gospel tracts right there on the table. And when people came in, we started sharing them. We started giving them. We started talking to people. Hey, listen, it was an awesome thing to, to realize that you know, God was bringing people to us. We didn't even have to go out to them. God was bringing them in. And so as you think about Paul being here, he says, look, I understand that I'm in prison. But it's not all bad, because guess what? There's other prisoners here. There's guards that are here. And, and God was going to give them an opportunity. So when Paul is there, what is he doing? He's reassuring them from prison 
that the gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ needs to go further than it's ever gone before. So notice we start tonight with the reality of persecution. The reality. Jesus said himself that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you've been living for the Lord, then I guarantee you, you've probably have come upon some roadblocks in your life, some times of trial, some affliction, some persecution. And for these Christians in Philippi, if you study this, this time in, in, in church history, what you find is, is that persecution was not something that the church in Philippi read about in the news. It was actually something that they lived with on a daily basis. It was something that was a part of their lives. And, and as they lived with this matter of persecution, here's the thing that, that even while they were going through the persecution themselves, every day they were constantly thinking about the, the man that they loved so much, the Apostle Paul. And they had a concern for Paul as he was there in prison in Rome. And, and so they were, they were thinking about him. They were praying about him. Notice, first of all, the perception of persecution. Look at chapter uh, 1 again in verse number 12. He says, I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. See, again, this, this oftentimes looks like a bad situation, but you know what it really is, is somewhere along the way, it, it, is, it is something that God may show us, he may or may not show us, it's just a part of God's bigger plan. God, Listen, God many times, and, and so many times, Christians let up, they give in, they quit, before they really see what God's purpose was in it all. Folks, we have no idea. You think about a day like this morning, and what God did here in this auditorium this morning. Listen, folks, we, don't, we can't really see the big picture, how God's going to use that how God will use something on Facebook or whatever it might be that we get the gospel out. I think, listen, honestly, I don't even know if I can say unequivocally, but someday when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of folks there because we've been faithful with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we may or may not know who they are, but I'll tell you what, whether we know it or not, it's going to be a wonderful thing because they're there, because we care. You see, there's this perception and. A lot of times we don't have a full understanding. Maybe someday when we get to heaven we will. But look what Paul wrote to those in Corinth there. Therefore, he says, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who will bring to light. God will uh, help us to understand all things. He says here, the things of darkness and will man make manifest the counsels of the heart. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing sometimes to see it all, but Remember the life that Christians are supposed to live, that we are to live by faith and not by what? Sight. Sometimes we want to see it all. Many times people say, look, I'll do this and this, but they want to see it before they'll actually step out. And what God says is, look, I know you don't understand why I put one of my choice servants in prison, but there's a purpose. And sometimes when you go through something, listen, even as a pastor, my heart's heavy when I hear of folks, uh, brother, brother uh, Gabriel and his wife haven't been able to be here for at least two months, if not longer, because he's been going through the treatments for his cancer. 
and my heart, my heart aches whenever someone's not able to be here in, in God's house and be able to carry on life. But listen, I, I, I get such a sweet testimony from Brother, Brother Smith about how God's just been working and how things are good. He's not complaining about it. He knows that God knows what's going on in his life. And so we, we see the perception of persecution, but I want you to see, look at what it says as you look again at verse number 12. He talks about the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds as much more bold, they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. So we see, secondly, the progress that comes through persecution. In other words, if you study the book of Acts, here's what you see many times is, is that as the church and the work of God is moving forward, many times something will happen to the church to stop that forward progress. But you see that if you study what you find, the pattern is, is that that again, what do God's people do? They band together, they prayed in the book of Acts, the power of God came, and, and they were catapulted to go on and do a work for God. And guess what happened? The cycle started all over again. And we see here in Paul's life, even though he's being persecuted for his faith in Christ, we see that there is progress being made. Here's how he describes it. I mean, there is that adversity, but the gospel advanced. Remember Paul and Silas? in prison. Remember how they prayed and they began to sing? They were singing. You know, I think about Paul and Silas. Honestly, I have no idea, but I guarantee you, Paul and Silas probably neither one of them could, could sing. They probably couldn't carry a tune, you know. But I'll tell you what, they made a joyful noise in that prison. You know, I, I told Brother Kenny, I said, our choir did such a great job. You know, people just, they, they love to hear and, you know, we're not professionals. Everybody laughing. Brother Chris, I think, this morning said, you know, we're, this is not a real new movie, a news station, and we're not, we're not real uh, news anchors and all that, and people laugh. But, honestly, we're just a bunch of saved people that we love the Lord, and we just want to serve God. And it, it's a wonderful thing when you see God using. And, and here's Paul and Silas, and they're, they're in a cold, dark, damp jail cell, and they're singing praises to God. And you know what happens? The Philippian jailer gets saved. He hears them singing. How can someone be that joyful in stocks and bonds? How can somebody be that happy in this miserable situation? I mean, he was a free man. He was on guard. He was watching them. It was his life if they got free and Matter of fact, when their chains fell off, he called for light and he sprang in. Listen, he, he thought, hey, listen, my life is over. And as a result of, of Paul's testimony, that man was saved. And you study the Bible, what happens? His entire household came to Christ. All because of during a time of persecution that the gospel was being advanced. You find other places in the Word of God where even Paul was, was in prison in this current situation and Paul's getting the opportunity while he's there to spread the gospel to folks. And you see this if you go over to chapter 4 there in your notes in chapter 4 verse 22. Look at this verse. The Bible says, And all the saints salute you chiefly, they that are of whose household? Caesar's. 
Now, you know, I, I, I looked at that, studied it out, and, and many people say that the mention there of the saints, that it says they're all the saints. The word saint is talking about saved people, people who have come to know Christ. And so here the word saint, in, in saints in Caesar's household, many believe that this may have been a direct result of Paul being in prison. That in other words, Paul was in prison. Now think about it, he didn't have his New Testament. He didn't have gospel tracts. You know where he had the Word of God? In his heart. Paul just began to share the message of Christ. And I believe that many people were reached with the gospel, even while Paul was sitting in that prison. The gospel also was advanced. He, he describes here in these verses how that others then began, because of what Paul was doing, they were hearing that, hey, listen, even though Paul was in prison, people were being saved while Paul was in jail. And you know what that did was? That actually encouraged other people. Look at it in verse number 13. It says that, that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. In other words, it went beyond the palace, but yet Paul was in prison. Look at verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord, because they're hearing that his witness, that his gospel witness is going out, the Bible says here, and this is what I love, when we are faithful to God, it says many of the brethren waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Hey, listen, I'm, you know, I remember when I first started going out trying to talk to people about the Lord, and I've told the story before, but I went with somebody who was probably one of the best soul winners, and again, we can't, we can't win somebody to Christ, but this man was very thorough by presenting the gospel, sharing the message of Christ, and, and every time he went, if people asked him something, he was able to give a biblical answer. And I, I listened and I learned a lot of things. Now, you know, again, I know a lot of times people are, and maybe you're that way, you're afraid to talk to people about the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, you know, you know why I am the soul winner I am today is because I went with somebody and because of what he was doing and I saw how God was using his witness it helped me to be more bold. Listen, there have been times where, honestly, as I've walked away from somebody, I've thought to myself, I can't believe that I just talked to that person about the Lord. And then I realized it wasn't me. It was God helping me to get beyond that. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. And we need to wax bold. Look, folks, there are people that need to hear that Jesus loves them, He died for them, that God wants them to spend eternity with Him in heaven, but they'll never hear if we're afraid to tell them. And Paul says, look, because of me being in here, there have been many other brethren that have gained confidence even by my bonds. They're thinking to themselves, hey, listen, if Paul can be witnessing in prison, then I can be telling other people about the Lord. I was looking through some of the cards today and and I, just like I mentioned, Brother David, I think, I think your son had somebody here today. Robert had, had a visitor here, and there were some of our other church members. You know what that tells me? That somebody's been a little bit more confident, a little bit more bold to talk to people about the Lord, or they wouldn't have been here. You know, you think about this matter of persecution, and a lot of times we, we just want to say, listen, I, I just, I, you know, when it comes to persecution, I just want to stay away from it. One of the amazing stories that I read years ago was how the world was saddened when they heard that the group of 
missionaries that had Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and many others were a part of this group of missionaries and they were murdered. They went to take the gospel to, to the, uh, to the uh, AUKUS Indians in South America and they were murdered as a result of just going there with the good news. And that sounds like a bad story. But if you read the rest of the story, out of that, the result of that was hundreds. I'm not, I'm not kidding about this. You've studied it out yourself. Hundreds of people were motivated to surrender their lives to be missionaries because of what those individuals did. Brother Flynn? Yeah. That's a, that, that part of the story that I didn't mention is amazing. That she would do something like that, it's, it, it's just beyond. And that is totally the Lord that would lead his wife to go back to the people that murdered her own husband. It's just an amazing thing. Look, folks, persecution, and the longer we live, the more and more people are going to become intolerant to Bible Christianity. Uh, right now in America, we, we enjoy freedom and we're able to do certain things. And folks, I'm not here to scare anybody tonight, but the reality is that if, if the Lord tarries his coming... Persecution may be something we might experience more and more in the United States of America. We need to understand the reality of it. Notice, uh, secondly, we see the reality not only of persecution, but the reality of problems. That along with the persecution, there come some problems. Look at verse number uh, 15. Look what the Bible says here. He mentions from prison, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. See, there, there, it's hard to, to believe, but you, you study it out. There are people that many times they, they want, they want to, their motives are wrong when it comes to being in the ministry or being a preacher of the gospel. And I want you to see, first of all, the problem of motives. See that people do things, and sometimes when people do things, it really concerns me. I, I, I get around, sometimes I get around certain people and and, uh, you know, everyone's different. And I, I'm not here tonight to put anyone down. I'm not here uh, to say that I'm better than somebody else. But sometimes I see people who want to listen to preaching that, to me, uh, doesn't edify. It doesn't instruct from the Word of God. As a matter of fact, it is something that I believe is harmful and hurtful to the Word of God and to, to helping the gospel to get out. Now, listen, if what I'm talking about is something that is foreign to you, I'm glad. But there are some people that, that honestly, people have to be uh, so confrontational and, and so in your face, and, and there may be a time for that if it's from the Lord, if it's from the Word of God, but I don't think that we ought to ma ever make it something where, where we're trying our best. Jesus even said himself that houses are going to be divided when it comes to the truth. I know many people that have some uh, family members that are saved and some family members that are not saved. But the reason that there is division is because some accept the truth and some don't. But I see a lot of preachers, and Paul's mentioning even in his day, as he says here, look at it again, he says, some preach even of envy and strife, but there are some that preach of goodwill. Now, you know, these individuals that he says here that preach for envy and strife, the word envy I, I gave you there in your notes, here's what it means, ill will or spite. It, it is something that results in working, listen now, 
against someone or against something. Now, back in this day, <coughs> Paul was probably viewed as one of the leaders, if I could put it this way, he was probably viewed as one of the leaders of fundamentalism in his day. Bible Christianity, however you want to call it, when people thought about Christianity in Paul's day, they probably thought about the Apostle Paul. This man was, was probably the most well-known man at this time in the world when it came to being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you agree? Now, when you think about that, that means that this man had a target on his back. That everywhere he went, everything he said was under scrutiny. And by the way, I realize a lot of times whenever I'm preaching a message, and I do my best every time I get up behind the sacred desk, I do my best to stay as biblical as possible. Because when I stay with the Word of God, I don't, a lot of times I don't end up getting myself in some sort of hot water. But a lot of times, people want to venture away from the Bible. And Paul says, look, there are some preachers that their preaching is against. Now, who would it be against in Paul's day? Guess what? The Apostle Paul. They were preaching. They were envious because people were listening to Paul. People were being saved by the preaching of the Apostle Paul. But look, Paul was not saving them. The gospel saves and Paul was preaching Christ everywhere he went. And he said, some preach of envy and strife. The word strife means contention, wrangling. These were men that were moved by envy against the Apostle Paul. They were not preaching from a heart of compassion. They didn't care about lost souls. For them, what it was, is it was they were competing against the Apostle Paul. Now, can I just tell you tonight that that should never be our motive. We're not in a competition doing the Lord's work. I'm not here competing against anybody else. Listen, a lot of times I've got pastor friends all over the United States, and I don't mean to sound like I've got a lot of pastor friends, but I do have quite a few that I know that I'm good friends with, and I don't call them on Sunday or Monday, hey, how many did you have? Well, we had this. You know, it's not about that. A lot of times I posted today you know, how, how blessed we were and how good our choir did and things like that. And I had some of my friends say, that's awesome, praise the Lord. And that's the way it ought to be. But these individuals, Paul says, look, there are some that preach goodwill, but there are those that are preaching envy and strife. Folks, we have to, be, we have to understand that a lot of times persecution will come because of the problems, because of people's motives. Notice then the problem of motives, but secondly, the pronouncement of motives. Look in verse number 16 of our text. He says, one preached Christ of contention and sincerely, supposing to add affliction, in other words, to add something else to my bonds, verse 17, but the other preaches of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Now, the word contention means a desire to put oneself forward. There's a lot of people that are looking to kind of, kind of boost themselves, to put themselves up. And when you, when you get to chapter 2 of this same book that we're studying, the book of Philippians, here's what you find is Paul is exhorting the church in Philippi, the brethren there, he says, look, you and I need to have the mind of Christ. We need to not be putting ourselves 
forward we, because when you do that, it causes contention. And look what it says there in chapter 2 and verse 3. Here's how he puts it. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Paul says, look, we need to be a Christian. Instead of trying to put yourself forward, instead of trying to make yourself uh, better or, or, or stand out, you know, the one thing this morning, and I, I, I don't have a problem with people, you know, if they hear a good song, you know, the, the truth is, is that as a Christian, I'd rather say amen than applause somebody. Because when you applaud, and again, I'm not down on anybody, when you applaud somebody, many times what that does is that feeds our flesh, it puffs us up. And, and we have to understand that everything we do, all the songs that were sung, all that was presented this morning, it was all about Jesus and it was nothing about us. Now, a lot of people don't like that kind of talk because a lot of times you go to churches and here's what you get, people performing. Now you think about that, who are they performing for? So as, as Paul, Paul says, look, you have to understand that, that there, is, there are people that have the wrong motives and he says what we need to do is to be like Jesus and be lowly in our minds. A great example of that in the Bible is a man by the name of Diotrephes. You study the Word of God, this guy was a great example. You know what, Diotrephes, here's what he wanted. He wanted the dominance among the congregation. He wanted the preeminence. Hey, folks, listen, I might be the pastor of this church, but the truth is I'm here because the Lord brought me here because the, the, the church voted me in as the pastor, but I could be gone tomorrow. This isn't my church. It's, this isn't my thing here. And, and we need to understand that no one is, is, should be lifted up. No one should be elevated. The Bible says that when we lift up Christ, he will draw all men unto himself. And that's what we need. To, that's our desire. Paul said, listen, you need, to, you need to be careful because there are some, they're preaching strife and contention. He says, because, and by the way, when that's happening, you have to understand that the gospel, the good news, is not getting to where it needs to get. When people are not preaching with compassion, I've had people even recently, Pastor, why don't you preach on this? You know what? I'd, I'd just soon preach on what the Lord puts on my heart. I don't think there's anything wrong with having compassion. I don't think we have to be offensive. Now, I don't have a problem, and if you've been around here for any time, I think you understand, I don't have a problem calling sin, sin. I don't have a problem if it's in the Bible to preach it. Some things definitely are easier to preach than others. Heaven's a lot sweeter than hell, is it not? You know. But, but understand that Paul says, look, some of these people... Their motives, he says, Diotrephes, look what it says in 3 John, verses 9 and 10. The, the Bible says there, I wrote unto the church, notice the saints, but Diotrephes, and look at the description, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, I come, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth. And notice, what are his deeds? Pratting against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Uh, you know, it's an amazing thing when you study, but that, listen, there are diatrophies in churches. There are people who love to have the preeminence. 
And as you think about it, look, we are here under his headship. And this is the Lord's work. And we need to understand that sometimes the motives are there. In verse number 17, look at it again. Paul says, look at this, but others, he says, yeah, there are people that are contentious. He says, they want to add to my bonds. In other words, they just want to make it worse for for me as a child of God in my witness for him. But in verse 17, he says, there are some that preach Christ out of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. He says, some people's motives are that they want to relieve the affliction, and here's how they're doing it, with love. Look what it says in verse, verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5. The love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we were all dead. Were you dead in your trespasses and sins, yes or no? Yeah, now watch this, look at the verses. And it says here that he died for all, that they which live... Are you saved tonight? Okay, that's talking about you. They which live should not henceforth, from the time you got saved, you should not live unto who? Themselves. Your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. And the Bible says that we're not to live unto ourselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You know what Paul was motivated by? He was motivated by the love of Christ for him. How that God loved him before he ever loved God. That while he was yet a sinner, Christ died for him. Look, Paul's motives were totally different than those that were preaching contention. And Paul's trying to, in the beginning of this letter to the church of Philippi, from prison, he's saying, hey, look, there are some people out there that are envious, and they they have strife and contention. They're doing it against the work of God. They're doing it against the workers of God. But he says, look, you have to understand that your motivation needs to be the same as mine, that you have the love of Christ. And if you think about it, his motivation, Paul's motivation, here's what it helped him to do. It helped him that everywhere he went, he gave a defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everywhere he went. You know, it didn't matter, and you, you study even in the book of Acts, didn't matter who the crowd was, Paul shared Christ with them. Uh, I got, got a, uh, I think I told you a while back, Brother Chris and I, we, we were just trying to make some connections with some local law enforcement. Brother Chris and I, we took the uh, Citizens Police Academy. By the way, if any of you ever want to do that, it's, it's uh, $40. It's, it is three hours a night for 15, 15 uh, nights, Thursday nights. They do it twice a year. And uh, you can do that at Pembroke Pines. Uh, almost every police department has one. It's actually very informative. And uh, I enjoyed it and uh, missed a few classes, but we, we had a great time. And uh, in the first meeting that we had, they, uh, they had a stand to give our name and, and tell everybody what we did. And so, you know, I, look, I didn't have to sit around and deliberate. I stood up and said, I'm Dane Keeley. I'm pastor of Bible Baptist Church. And all the people, we like that. But nobody made any, any comments. And then uh, I think it was maybe third class. Uh, they, they said, uh, now listen, every class, we were the 46th graduating class from the Citizens Police Academy. They graduate about 80 a year. And uh, so we were there. And so uh, the third class, they, they said, now uh, we're going to have you guys elect some officers. And, uh, and I didn't raise my hand. They asked for volunteers. I didn't raise my hand. One of the police officers called me out. 
made me get up in front of everybody with some other people. And so we had to, we had to tell people why we wanted to be the company commander of all the other citizens. And uh, I didn't want to be the company commander of the citizens. And, uh, and so when I got up there, I'm thinking, what am I going to say? And so I got up there and I said, uh, well, I said, I've been volunteered. And I said, and the reason I'm up here is because I've always been taught that when somebody tells you to do something, unless it goes against, you know, what I believe, then I, uh, I should do it. So I'm here because I've been asked to be here and I got voted in to be one of them. I'm like, what in the world? And so I thought, well, undoubtedly, the, the, I guess the Lord wanted me to be it. And so throughout the class, I, I tried a couple times to talk to some of the police officers. I went in the back, talked to some of the, uh, some of the, the, the uh, ladies that worked there, officers in the back that handled some of the book work and things like that. And, uh, and I was just trying to make some connections and so on. And I got an email because we had uh, graduation this past Thursday night. And uh, I got an email, and she asked me, she said, I'd like to know if, if you'd like to give the invocation at the graduating uh, ceremony. And, and I thought, well, that's, that's pretty awesome, you know. And uh, so I emailed her back, and I said, it, it'd be my privilege. Well, again, I didn't have to sit around and deliberate. I, I knew there were going to be certain things in that prayer, and it wasn't because I wanted to try to cause division or strife. And I understand that everybody has a different God in this day and hour. And most of those people that Brother Chris and I were in that academy with, you could tell they were from every walk of life. I, I know there was one man there that was a Jew, and of course, I think he's a Jew part-time, but uh, you know, there's just, just a lot of folks from a lot of different walks of life, a lot of different religions. And, uh, I got, and, and so I went to the thing that night, and so I'm sitting there, and, I, and it was supposed to be at the beginning, and they didn't, they didn't call me. And I thought, well, maybe I'm not going to get the opportunity. And so we're at the very end, the, the guy says, we're going to have Dan come up now. I kind of, <laughs> I've been called just about everything, you know. And they, they, he called me and I went up there and I'll be honest with you, I was scared to death. The, uh, the, uh, all the brass were all there, you know. The, the chief of police was there. And, and I went up, I walked past every one of them. Scared to death. And I got up there and I had all these thoughts in my mind and I, I said, let's bow our heads and pray and ask God's blessing. And I prayed a prayer, asked for God's protection, thanked him for our law enforcement and so on. And when I finished, I said, in Jesus' name, amen. Right. And I had, I had folks who came to me and said, hey, listen, I appreciate that prayer. But out of the 30-some folks that were graduating, plus all the many people, that family members that were there, the three or four was nothing compared to all the others. Now, they didn't come up to me and say, hey, I hated that prayer. You shouldn't have prayed in his name or whatever. But folks, look, we have to understand that Paul, and just like we, we need to be able, as it says here in 1 Peter 3, look at this, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Folks, if you're saved and you know what God's done for you, and God has set you apart for a reason, it says here, be ready always to give an answer. To every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Did you hear those words? Give an answer. Well, I'll tell you what I think. And I don't care if you believe it or not. This is the way it's going to be. Listen, folks, how many people you think you're going to win to Christ like that? And I meet a lot of Christians like that. But the Bible says with meekness and fear. 
You think about it. Uh, you know, the Lord's done a, a work on my heart. You know, God's changed me over the years, and I'm still a work in progress. But I, the way I, I, I try to share the gospel now is different than years ago. You know why? Because I realized that what I say and how I say it is either going to cause somebody to come closer to God or move farther away from God. Now again, he says here, look at this. We need to understand that we need to have meekness and fear. And if we do, look, we'll have a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you. Yeah, they're going to say things. That, you think they said a few bad things about Paul? Absolutely. You think they look at the verse... You think they call him an evildoer? Absolutely. But the Bible says here that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you your good conversation in Christ. Look, can I just tell you this? You just go on and live for God and, and give a good defense. See, for the Philippians, persecution, it was a reality. And, and when you look at it, the, the progress, even though the persecution was there, progress was being made and people's motives might have been wrong and there was, there was contention there. But look at the third thing, and this is what I love in verse 18. The Bible says in verse 18, what then? In other words, should we throw in the towel, you know, because some people don't like what we're doing? Because I'm here in prison, you know, because they've kind of silenced me. I mean, my life may be over uh, before too long. He says, what then? Now look at it. What, what then? Notwithstanding. Every way, whether, whether it's in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and I therein. In other words, because he's preached, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So look at, write it down. The rejoicing of patience. Patience is not one of those virtues that, that I am, uh, you know, I must have stepped out of line when God was giving out patience. But I've learned, especially here in South Florida, with traffic lights. God's been teaching me, you know. But look at a couple things here. Letter A, Christ was preached. Paul said, look, there, there were some that preached the truth. Some preached, and, and the word here is pretense or pretext. What does the word mean? It says it's an alleged reason. It's a pretended cause. In other words, they were not preaching the truth. And, you know, I, I didn't hear one person come up to me this morning and say, hey, listen, you know what you preach this morning? I'm going to tell you something. That's not exactly what it means. Folks, look, uh, Brother Flynn said something to me. I said, that, that's actually one of the easiest texts to preach right there out of those, those verses, verse 10 to verse 13 this morning. You know, I, I just love how God put his word together and how it, look, God's word does make sense. And look, the, the one concern that our church should have is this, is Christ being preached. Do people know about Jesus? Remember the question I asked this morning? What will you do with Jesus? That's still the age-old question. What will you do with Jesus? And so notice here, Christ was preached. That's why Paul rejoiced. He says, look, I'm glad that even though I'm in prison, that I've been patient because he says Christ has been preached. And because he has been preached, notice Paul was pleased. Paul says there in verse 18, he says, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. See, the word of God, when we give it out, it doesn't matter who the speaker is. When God's word goes forth, it will not come back empty. 
Look at what Isaiah wrote years before this. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, God said, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God says, look, my word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And what we need to be doing is giving out the word of God. Now look, suffering is a part of life. And when you think about being a child of God, suffering for the sake of the gospel is a reality when it comes to serving the Lord. And we may be tempted from time to time. And, and in my mind, I can think of times in my life and in my, my serving the Lord, we might be tempted to question sometimes the sovereignty of God. But what we need to do is wait on the Lord. And if you wait on the Lord, guess what God's going to do? God's going to let you see the big picture. Look at the Bible, one of the favorite verses in the Bible, Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord. Matter of fact, let's read this together. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know what Paul was saying from prison? Paul was saying, look, you and Philippi, church, brethren, saints, don't get discouraged. It's just an opportunity for the gospel to go further than it's ever gone before. And that's what you have to ask yourself. Hey, listen, this week when you're sitting at a doctor's appointment, there's people sitting in that lobby with you. When you go in to see the doctor, there's somebody that comes in, checks your vitals, and then the doctor comes in. When you check out, somebody will, you have to stop at the desk. Folks, there are people everywhere. And what they need to hear is that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, and that they can have a home in heaven someday too. Let's be sharing the gospel everywhere we go so that people can have a home in heaven someday. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity that you've entrusted us with the word of God, that you've entrusted us with the good news. And Lord, the world has so much bad, they need to hear some good news. I pray that you'd help us to be faithful with it, to be a faithful witness. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with